I'm Dan Joseph. You're listening to the Dan Joseph's America podcast. Happy President's Day to all of you. President's Day is today. It was originally a holiday to celebrate the birthdays of Washington and Lincoln, and it's sort of become a celebration of the presidency in general and the office of the presidency. But to be honest, most Americans just kind of see it as a day off work, I think. I, I doubt that most people are really contemplating the history of the American presidency today, but the, the presidency remains a central part of American life. And not only that, but the presidency is inevitably, no matter who it is, the most divisive person in the country. Because you, you know, it's it's very easy to hate the president. But the reality is that the damage one president can do to the country is very limited on a policy level, but it's it's easy. People really despise the president no matter who it is. But they don't understand that the president is really a figurehead. Yes, he signs bills. Yes, he, he sometimes pushes for policies, but he's largely a figurehead. And as that figurehead, he takes responsibility for just about everything that happens, whether it's his fault or not. Uh, for example, Biden, right? Not solely responsible for inflation. Yes, he passed an expensive stimulus, but so did Trump. And most of the inflation is due to COVID and supply chain interruptions and the war in Ukraine. Nothing Biden did. And the presidency, the president can't really do anything about inflation anyway. So putting the blame on the president doesn't make much sense. But the people will always blame the president for things that are going wrong with the economy, whether it's due to their policies or not. In some ways, although I don't know if the founders intended this, probably not, but it's someone to blame, right? It's someone to take responsibility for the bad things that happen because it doesn't require us to think deeply or research the actual problem. It's it's easier just to blame one guy in a house in D.C. And because of this tendency, we end up with a much more shallow understanding of our problems than we otherwise would. Now, on the other side of that, though, getting blamed, the president gets credit when things are going well. For example, Bill Clinton got all the credit for the economy in the 90s, but he didn't do anything to spur that growth. It was It was the tech boom. The seeds for the tech boom were planted before anyone had heard of Bill Clinton. But it's the legacy. The presidents should be thinking of their legacy. That's what what is important. That is the best indicator of how a president did during their two terms. And usually you have to wait for a while after their presidency in order for their actual accomplishments or mistakes to be fully revealed. I mean, it's a long-term thing. It, It shouldn't be just blaming the guy for things that are happening at the moment. And sometimes you can do that, but typically you have to wait a while to see the complete picture. In modern history, we have some presidents that have positive legacies. I, I would put Kennedy there and Reagan in that batch. You have a few that are viewed as having been negative experiences. Jimmy Carter, George W. Bush, Nixon, for obvious reasons. And then there's some that are just kind of neutral, uh, Clinton, Caretaker president for George H.W. Bush, presidents who don't have too much of a lasting legacy. And the recent three, Obama, Trump, and Biden, you know, it's largely too soon to tell how history will view them. Although with Obama, you know, he had he had two accomplishments that might put him in a high tier and that some historians are saying he should be in a high tier. Uh, Obamacare was one of them and being the first black president. 
right? Obamacare is increasingly popular. Um, being the first black president is a historical marker. So it's it's probably likely that Obama will be viewed positively through the scope of history. With Trump, the economy was good for a couple years, but that's really the only thing that Trump is, has bragging rights on. And for Biden, I think that his legacy will probably be how he handled COVID after Trump left. But it, like I said, it's way too soon to judge Biden. A lot of his legacy depends on what happens over the next year or so. A lot of his legacy depends on what happens over the next four years or so. But obviously, in the moment, Biden and Trump are both very divisive figures. And we don't know how it's all going to play out in this election. But but there, there are always people out there. And they, this makes me laugh because they're everywhere. They will proclaim. That whoever is sitting in the Oval Office is the worst of all time or the best of all time. The worst of all time is, is, is silly, though. Not, and it's not James Buchanan who was held responsible for the Union falling apart in the lead up to the Civil War. It's not Andrew Johnson, the 17th president who presided over Jim Crow. And, and those two, Buchanan and Johnson, are really considered by historians as the worst of the worst. And we have had 175 years to reach that conclusion. So it's unlikely that their standing is going to improve much. And additionally, presidencies aren't judged by policy as much as they're judged by how that president deals with the crisis. Some presidents don't have a big crisis during their term. Bill Clinton, you know, he had eight relatively crisis-free years. The economy was good, peace and prosperity. So he's remembered fondly, but history isn't going to remember that. They're ultimately going to remember Monica Lewinsky. But his successor, Clinton's successor, George W. Bush, he had like four major events during his presidency. He had 9-11, Iraq, Hurricane Katrina, and the financial crisis. And, you know, while his leadership during the financial crisis was good and his initial leadership after 9-11 was good, Hurricane Katrina was very bad. The, the decision to go into Iraq and the aftermath of that is, is probably what he'll be remembered for most, and that's negative. And, you know, you have Obama. He didn't really deal with any big crisis. The financial crisis was essentially over by the time he took office. Uh, Trump had COVID. We don't know exactly how history is going to view his actions during those years or Biden's. But if you successfully handle a crisis, a big crisis, you are elevated to a different level in the presidency. Washington, Lincoln, FDR all presided over huge problems. Washington was the general during the revolution. He had to create the country. Lincoln obviously had the Civil War. FDR had the Depression in World War II. History says the three of those presidents handled those incidents well. I would say they did too. But it also comes down to leadership, right? Can, can a president get people to unite? Can a president get people to follow them? Can they lead the way in getting legislation passed? And recently, the last... 30 years or so, we haven't had that. Part, part of that is because the electorate is so divided. But I think it also has to do with presidents not even trying to unite the country. They find that division is more beneficial to them in a lot of ways, appeasing their base instead of solving the problems that the majority wants solved. You can point very specifically to Trump and Biden on this. Trump was only president for about 30% of the country, MAGA. He did what they wanted, and everything he said or did was intended to satisfy them, and he's still doing it. And when you look at the Biden border crisis, he's shown no leadership. 
He let just everyone in to satisfy his progressive base that wants open borders. And that's that's the other reason why both of these presidents are saddled with terrible approval ratings. And, and yet that's the choice we are going to be presented with in the fall because of the basis of the two parties' insistence that we use these two candidates, that we choose between these two candidates. Still, uh, even with all these issues, Americans should have respect for the office of the presidency. It's an important job. It's a difficult job. You do run the risk of having everyone hate you and going down in history as a failure. It's high stakes. You are the central figure in politics and government. Everyone knows who you are. You are mocked incessantly through the media. It's tough. And yet everyone wants to hold the office, right? Everyone in government thinks that they should be the president. You have 16 to 20 guys who run for the job every open primary. So the the power it wields and the fact that winning the White House will give you that place in history, although maybe not a good one, it's a very attractive quality to build that legacy. But man, does it have to be a pressure cooker when you're in that job? I, I used to dream about becoming president. Wouldn't that be great? You're president of the United States. I would still love to do the job, but I don't have what it takes to get elected. Because I don't like interacting with people at the level you need to in order to get the job. And I, I have trouble setting aside my personal beliefs for the sake of saying popular, which any president has to do, or getting my agenda passed. I say what's on my mind. My mind. I can't pretend. And that, that has hurt me immensely in my career and my own life. But it's just who I am. Although, I, I mean, there's a part of me and maybe a part of you too that thinks we could do the job pretty well. And there, there are many people out there who would be very good at the job, probably better than what we've been getting, both in Washington and in the general public. Yet, here we are, stuck with these choices, and a lot of people are unhappy. Now, sometimes I think that the nation would be better off with another system, not the way we choose our president, not the presidency as we know it, Uh, a system that focuses a lot on the individual. I think maybe we'd be better off getting away from that, like a parliamentary system where the head of state isn't even elected by the people, that might not be such a bad thing. And yes, it's not going to happen. We'd have to change the constitution, but a prime minister or a parliamentary system would probably take some of the vitriol out of the process, right? Because if, if no one elects the guy, the same loyalty, the same potentially personality cult doesn't form. And we see this. We see this in the UK, where they can. They, 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 those guys like change prime ministers every couple of months, and that's possible because no prime minister has an, a mandate from the electorate, and no prime minister comes to office with a huge base of people who are responsible for them getting elected. The, the party basically decides who who's going to be the prime minister. The party decides who's going to lead the party, and I'm all for that. I, I mean, I think we should get rid of primaries, let the parties pick their nominees through leadership or conventions, and then let the people sort it out in the general election. I have no problem with that. Oh, you're undemocratic, Dan. The, the primaries are so the people can – yeah, I know. That was the theory behind primaries. But are they really working out that well? Ask yourself with the, with the quality of candidates and the quality of presidents that we've had over the last – couple decades would you say the primary process is picking the best of the best for the job i i don't think anybody would say that 
And if there was no primary process and they didn't have to satisfy their bases all the time, there would they would have a much easier time building consensus, which is one of the things we should want. But but like I said, this President's Day, keep in mind that for our recent leaders, history hasn't written their story yet. So don't go around claiming that Biden is the worst president or Trump was the best president ever because it really shows that you're not a person who has a serious grasp of history or the office. And most importantly, though, I think we should all want the president to succeed. No, no one should be rooting for the failure of the president to protect the nation or or deal with serious problems. It's okay to hope that their agenda doesn't get passed if you think the agenda is bad for the country. But you should be rooting for them when it comes to protecting us, when it comes to being a uniting figure, when it comes to leading and setting a path forward. And for getting us through hard times with leadership and consensus building. And we haven't had that in a long time. And partially it's the presidents we've had and their personalities. And some of their policies. But it's also on the voters. The the voters need to take this seriously and vote, vote based on important qualities. And not just on whose policies are going to get you what you want. You know, you should, you should, when you go into that primary booth, primary voting booth, you should think about the whole country. And I see this happen a lot of the time with Trump. People don't care that he was divisive. They don't care that he says things that he says and is, is talking about dissolving NATO. Right? As long as you give the MAGA people what they want, they're all for it and they keep nominating him. They think he's great. But it's at the expense of the rest of us. It's at the expense of long-term stability It's at the expense of the office of the presidency. And it's at the expense of solving the politically difficult problems that require consensus and bipartisanship. I'm Dan Joseph. Thanks for listening to the Dan Joseph's America podcast. New video up at Dan Joseph 78 on YouTube. This one is about how Biden needs to step aside and let another Democrat become the nominee of the party. I think his legacy as president could depend on him doing that. And I also think it would be better, be better, excuse me, for the country as a whole. I'll see you on Wednesday.